0: welcome to cardiology everybody well long time no talk uh i want to say sorry we had a little bit of a, a a quick um little hiatus that we weren't expecting i actually had a couple of different broken legs in in my family and my my young uh four-year-old son decided to bang his leg off some stairs and then uh my um my lovely mom just unfortunately had, took a fall in her driveway. So she had a broken leg. So needless to say, I was running around like a crazy person while I was watching and listening to these Browns games. And so did not quite have the ability to get in front of a microphone and record. So I I thank all of you who are tuning back in and catching back up with us. Um, hopefully you were able to survive without our stellar analysis over the last two <laughs> weeks. I'm, I'm going to assume that is the case and that everybody's fine and hopefully that everybody had um, a great start to their holiday. Um, To get us back started and get rolling again, uh, I have my good friend Chris Burdett on with me. Hey, Chris, how was your first holiday?
1: It was very good. Thank you. I'm sorry. So sorry about your son and your mom. Um, Now, did they they like to throw themselves to the ground after the uh, New Orleans game? Is that what happened, causing the breaks or what happened exactly?
0: No, <laughs> actually, yeah, they, they happened before. They happened before okay. the New Orleans game. My my mom got subjected to be sitting in a in a hospital bed staring up at that screen, but but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Yes, you know, was, yes, was, for sure. Um huh. well we got we got a little bit to unpack here. Uh kind of need to talk about two different games because um we were on that little hiatus. Um so since we last talked. We had a Browns win over uh, the Baltimore Ravens and kind of a a slugfest one there, uh, a 13-3 win. Um, And then we have the most recent um, disappointment, which is (laughs) the loss at home versus the Saints in the uh, frozen tundra that was Cleveland this past weekend. But, um, you know, I think – the last time we talked and, and, you know, Chris, you were, you were on that um, podcast episode with us, you know, we talked a lot about the last four games and, you know, what we were really expecting and what we were really looking at. And we made, I think we all kind of agreed that the last four games were a little bit of just a tune up now for 2023. I I, I know yeah. that technically that going into the Saints game that we technically had some weird you know half a percent chance of getting into the playoffs but i think i think we were all pretty comfortable with the idea that that just was not going to be something that was going to work itself out so so here we now find ourselves definitely out with two games to play and and i'm just kind of wondering you know um you know what what did you see over the last couple games you know how how are you feeling um two win to the last four
1: yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, we all wondered all season what uh, Deshaun was going to look like, and he's actually looking pretty good. Um, I feel like the, the rust is getting knocked off, and um, his yardage is pretty decent. Um, yeah, I, and I agree. I'm, I'm treating the last two games and the next two basically like it's the early, early preseason for 2023, you know. Um, I will say the Baltimore game, it was great to see us win it. it you're right, it was a slugfest. Um The New Orleans game uh, was incredibly disheartening for me anyway, I think for a lot of us, because you had a dome team from the deep south that came up here and basically decided after halftime that they were simply going to own the game, and they did. So what I'm looking forward to in the next couple games, hopefully, is uh, is some consistency and some growth, you know? How about you?
0: Well, you know, I I think... I think some of the same things, um, you know, I think the Ravens game went about how I expected it to go. I mean, we weren't, we weren't facing Lamar Jackson. Um, we kind of knew that that was going to be a tough, tough game for them to play. And we knew that that all they really were going to be able to do was run the ball. And, and frankly, they ran the ball extremely well. Um, you know, uh, JK Dobbins, we, had 13 carries for 125 yards. So, I mean, we did not stop the run game very well versus them. However, they were just in a position where they just didn't have any other weapons. And and we we kind of locked down their receivers, especially Mark Andrews. And so I was happy to see that. I was happy to see the uh, the defense, um, you know, only hold, hold Baltimore to only three points. Um, the offense was you know, lackluster to, to be frank. I mean, I mean, we saw, we saw a little bit more from Watson. We saw uh, a little bit more accuracy. He definitely was um, a little sharper, but it still was pretty lackluster. And then, you know, we go into um, the game uh, this past weekend. Um, Yeah. I think that I I continue to have a lot of questions about just where, where our offensive line, where, where some of our other pieces are, but I think that, you know, that game came down to mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know, uh, the biggest being, um, the pass that goes off of David Bell's hands as an interception in our own end, um, which then converts itself into a touchdown for, um, for the saints to take the lead. um, and that really was a major turning point because at that up to that point in the game, just about everything was on the table. Um, you know, you still were able to run the ball. Um, you still were able to do a lot of different things. But with that score coming right about where it did, um it put you in a weird spot. Um, the winds were really bad. Um, but I think the Browns did a good job of taking advantage of when the wind was at their back um and and trying to play that play with that which is something that I don't think that necessarily New Orleans was able to do um but what New Orleans did find and did come back with and and you alluded to it they came out in the second half and they went they they really invested in um the Taysom Hill option oh, yeah. running game um yeah. which which in a weird way was kind of surprising that that didn't happen sooner um just because of the nature of what this game needed to be. Um, but they did, and they really invested in it, and he came through um, and really was starting to churn up some yards. But but I almost had the feeling before that interception, before that turnover, that maybe the Browns were getting ready to weather that storm, that they, that they had started to figure out, okay, this is how we're going to stop Hill. They had made a couple decent stops of of Taysom Hill and and so I thought we were headed forward so that was a real heartbreaker um that interception and then um and then you know what I gotta say I think is as much as um I've loved and touted our receiving core this year um that last drive they just weren't um they weren't there at the end. Um, you know, no, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird because they they don't really have that drive without some really great receptions. Um, but unfortunately, um, it's the last three um attempts that really stick in your mind. I mean, you have a you have a pass to DPJ in the corner of the end zone, which um, which is not an easy pass. Um, but it was quite the play by Watson off his back foot, rolling out, um, put it right where uh, DPJ could get it. And he just didn't make the catch. Um, Then you have the pass to Cooper who had a great game, actually went over a thousand yards for the season um, Mm -hmm. during the game, um, but got caught by the turf, went down, he was wide open, slipped, didn't get the catch. Um, So you have, two chances at a touchdown reception that go away and then and then you have a third pass to david Njoku, who um yeah i might have liked him to catch that ball but he was about to get his head handed to him um and so i i can't completely blame him for not pulling that one in that one wasn't necessarily a sure touchdown but it was a reception that would have kept the chains moving so um i think it was tough i i think uh the Browns found themselves unfortunately on the wrong side of the clock towards the end. Um, they really didn't give, I, I know there's been a lot of narrative um, in a lot of the Browns uh, bulletin boards about how the Browns threw the ball too much. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I actually, I, I think that's misleading um, because of the fact that 11 of the Browns passing attempts were all in the last drive. Um, that last that last drive was uh, intense, to say the least. I mean, you're you're talking, I, I believe we were um, 18 plays, 18 plays in that last drive for only 58 yards. Um, and in that drive, right up until that we hit the two-minute warning, um, because we started that drive with 5.16 left on the clock, um, right up until the two-minute warning, we were – still committed to running the ball. We actually ran the ball, um, I think six times, six or seven times um, at the beginning of that drive. Um, and once we got down to the two minute warning, um, we never found ourselves needing less than eight yards for, for a first down the rest of the game. Um, and we were we found ourselves down to using timeouts um, as we were going through to kind of manage the clock and keep things moving. So I, I think it's a little bit of a skewed stat to compare the, the rushing and the passing, um, just because of situational football. I mean, you're, you're there, you gotta, you, you don't have timeouts. You gotta keep the, the, the clock from moving, um, and you gotta get a touchdown, um, you know, so I, well, for for
1: my money, I think the mistakes were, were made earlier when you shouldn't have been in that position. I mean, realistically we came out flat in the second half. Right. Um, in my opinion, because the first half went as you would want it to go, you know, um, because I believe we got the ball, uh, second half to start the second half. Correct.
0: Um, actually we did not have the ball to begin the second half. It was three, it was 10 to three at halftime. Um, New Orleans had the ball okay. to start the second half, and um, that would basically be the first drive um, where they really leaned into Taysom Hill throughout that throughout that drive. Um, yeah, they
1: they scored fourteen in the third quarter, nothing in the fourth.
0: So correct, right? correct. It was so they basically you know the the Taysom hit the the drive coming out of of halftime was just a well that executed drive that Mm -hmm. obviously we weren't ready for.
1: So you've got to put points on the board there, you know, we came out flat. They didn't. Um, And, and to your point, you know, it, it was, it was three tosses into the end zone, none worked. And yeah, it's easy for us to Monday, you know, Monday or Tuesday morning quarterback here, but you know, in the back of your mind, you go, well, gee, did they have the time to run the ball instead? Or
0: I don't know. Um, But you know, the, the second score, Um, had everything to do with us turning the ball over. Um, you know, we turned the ball over, uh, for the interception, we gave them the ball back, um, you know, in our own, uh, end of the, end of the field and just really kind of from there, just never got it back. Never, never got enough uh, momentum to get back in the run.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I I know I was scratching my head over some of the plays in the, in the second half. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those you want to say, gee, you know, you're up, um, you know, 10 to three going into halftime. You, you want to come out and you want to score again. You want to build a lead. And we don't seem to do that, you know. Um And, 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 and our, our defense has moments, has its moments, but I don't consider it rock solid and everybody has run on us. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like we don't have a run defense. What do you feel about that?
0: Well, I, I do, I think, and we've talked about it for the better part of the year. I think, I think we continue to have issues with our defensive line. We're not stopping people at the point of attack. And that is really causing us a lot of grief um in mm-hmm. the run game. I mean, um, you know, as we as we look at like I said with the the Ravens game, you know, we we got the win, um, but we sure as hack didn't lock down the run. No. Um, and and in this game here, um, you know, you, you can definitely argue that you're gonna have more rushing yards because it's gonna be a game that's mostly running the ball. Um, but we still didn't – we didn't dominate or push that. You know, I don't expect to see um, from a team that's that wants to be good at stopping the run. I don't expect to see um, Alvin Kamara get 76 yards and a touchdown and then Taysom Hill to get 56 and a touchdown. Right. Um, I know Taysom Hill's a gadget player. I know that he can sometimes be hard to stop. But at the same token, when you should know – that we're running the ball um this should not be quite that difficult and so um you know i i honestly don't know i mean you have a you have to put the mistake i think you have to put the mistake and you have to put the the the, the last touchdown you have to put that on the offense i mean and you know that's a ball you know david bell to his credit as a rookie already saying hey you know what if i want to be um an nfl receiver that's a ball i have to catch Um, right and it came off his hands and and you know it set us up in a horrible spot um but you know it it really didn't seem like from that point on we did try to run the ball um at different times we had some success in that drive that last drive leading um leading out um before the two minute warning. But before that, I just felt like every time I looked up, it was second and eight, second and seven. Right, I did um, too. yep. And, and we were not getting more than one to two yards on a rush um, at, on first down. And I think it really made things much more difficult than we might've liked. Um, and I think that, that that played a big part and so you know, I kind of alluded to it here when when I first started commenting on the game is I'm I'm not sure we fully have a great grasp of what the offensive line has been going through as well. Um, you know, we had Ethan Pochik back, um, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I still am not a a big believer in the fact that um, that Wyatt Teller, um, is completely um, as healthy as as he needs to be. Um, you know, I'm not sure that he's getting the same um, the same push that he's gotten previously. Um, you know, we've been able to count on uh, Joe Batonio, and he has continued to uh, play extremely well. But he's a rock. You know i I also just think that um you know i'm not completely sure about if jack conklin's really feeling 100 yet and and i don't think he is i think that i think he was good enough to play and mm-hmm. and a jack conklin that's good enough to play is better than what what you've had but at the same token i just think that we have been exposed a little bit um you know we have a we have an a pro bowl running back in nick chubb but i I don't know that those same holes, those same opportunities, are are coming as easily here in the back half of the season as they did at the beginning of the season. So, it's a it's a really well paid offensive line, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that you have to you have to take that into consideration. I think a lot of people have put the spotlight on Jedrick Wills. Um, definitely has not had uh, a third year to write home about. Um has had a lot of issues, a lot of a lot of challenges. So it'll be interesting to see you you've got Jedrick finishing up his rookie contract, what that's gonna look like. I think this offseason is gonna be big for, for Wills. How he mm-hmm. how he shows up at uh mini camp and preseason and into next year will be a big piece. I mean, you hate to lose. You got an offensive tackle who I, I would say Jedrick is a starting offensive tackle. Um, he's not the lockdown left tackle that you wanted him to be, but he's a, he's a starting offensive tackle and he's 23 years old. So, um, I would like to believe you've got, you've got some time there. Um, mm-hmm. but, but honestly, you're paying a lot of money to Joel Petonio. Um, we just right before this game extended Jack Conklin for four years, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, and then, you know, Wyatt Teller is under contract. Um, and so those three guys are pulling down some major money. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I would think that the left tackle position is is a target position for the Browns going into the offseason, whether it is, um, you know, a free agency thing or trying to get some depth or potentially – you know, one thought might be, did we maybe extend Jack Conklin? Cause we might be thinking about swapping him sides with him. Um, are, oh, we gonna, yeah. Good point. Are, are we going to bring Conklin over to the left and then try to see what we can do with the right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think that I just think the issues have been bigger there than, than we've been willing to admit. Um, you know, we all love, there's nothing better than when Nick Chubb breaks off a, a 15, 20 yard run. Um, but I think we've been kind of blind a little bit to how hard it has been to get to those runs, um, in this back half of the season. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of two, three yard grinded out games. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it's, uh, I think it's kind of sh- starting to show a toll a little bit on the team.
1: Well, this time of year, they're all dinged up. I mean, no, nobody's hundred percent. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's your line is Nick Chubb is. Everybody is. So uh the every yard gets harder every single game, right?
0: It does. And this was, I mean, the, the New Orleans game was a tough game. I think I think the New Orleans game is frustrating in the same way that some of those win the some excuse me, some of those losses at the beginning of the year were frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one score loss, you were in it, you gotta drive at the end to give you a shot, and it doesn't come through. So, you know, this is, this is one of the hallmarks of uh, a really of – a, of a very strong playoff team, a playoff team, and a team on the outside is how you perform in these one-score games. Um, I think that um, a good example would be Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings, right? So mm-hmm. um, last year, a lot of people – on on the case of Kirk Cousins about you know one score games and losing one score games and now this year they're winning those um and here they are you know moving into um the playoffs as one of the top seeds in the NFC and I think that you know being able to pull out these wins in these final drives to be able to put points on the board at the end of the game I think is it's a big indicator of of where your team is. And I think we're just seeing that this team, um, which is a young team, um, but this team is not um, able to come together in those moments. Um, And I think that, I think some of it has to do with this offensive line stuff, but I, but I kind of agree with you. I think the overall theme is the defense and, and I've been harping on it the last couple episodes. I I really (laughs) think it comes down to the defensive line. I really do. And and, and it still could be scheme, and it's still you still, I'm all for people who say that, you know, it's time for Joe Woods to find his next opportunity somewhere else. Um, but I, I do also think that there is a definite personnel issue at the defensive line. We, are, we do not have the talent um, in the trench that we need in order to really make a reasonable push in our division and in in our conference in general.
1: I, I agree with you. Uh, I think the other thing too is we, we need to be very wary of of what our team has been notorious for, ownership has been no, notorious for, which is quick to replace a quarterback, quick to replace the head coach. And it's like we keep, keep going on to the next bright, shiny thing. We're not running towards something better. We're just running away from something bad. And if if we're going to replace Joe Woods, then, then convince me of somebody who is absolutely a lockdown coach that will definitely be better, not just the next
0: guy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I'll tell you what, that's a really good topic. Um, but I want to go ahead, before we dive into that, let's go ahead and take a break. Let's sure. uh, hear from our sponsor. But I want to pick right back up on that and talk about um, these potential coaching changes and, and all of the rumblings that are going on out amongst Browns fans and really talk about the realistic options and the realistic things that we might be facing coming into next season. So um, all of you out there, hang with us for just a minute, and we are going to hear um, from our favorite sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Mark from the Cardiology Podcast, and I have an important question for you. Does your garage make you happy? If your life is anything like mine, the space in your garage just goes to waste because of overwhelming and embarrassing clutter. I mean, with all the tools, the toys, the bikes, the equipment, and whenever you open that garage door, that mess just hits you right in the gut. But it doesn't have to be that way. The team at CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More wants to help you take advantage of every inch of space your garage has to offer with their full turnkey design and installation services for garage cabinets, flooring, and other storage solutions. But don't be confused. The solutions they provide are not the cookie cutter racks and plastic bins you find at all the big box stores. From showroom-quality garage flooring to durable powder-coated wood garage cabinets, CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More has everything you need to turn your garage into the organized space of your dreams and have every one of your neighbors green with envy. So if you're tired of the mess and ready to bring the garage of your dreams into your everyday reality, You owe it to yourself and your family to check out all of the fantastic solutions CBs has to offer. You can contact Chris Burdett and his team today by heading to their website at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com or you can give them a call at 330-542-8416. On the site, you can request a free garage makeover guide packed with all kinds of great ideas and solutions that'll spark your imagination and help you visualize all of the potential your garage has to offer. It's time to feel the joy of a garage that meets all of your functional needs and looks fantastic too. Please let Chris help you make your dreams a reality today. Call him at 330-542-8416 or check him out online at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com and let Chris help you love your garage again. Welcome back to Cardiology, everybody. So right before we had our sponsor break, um, Chris had uh, a really strong talking point. Uh, Let me just let you restate what you were talking about there. Uh, Chris, to set it up for our conversation?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's been a lot of discussion about replacing Joe Woods as the defensive coordinator. And, you know, we have a history of being quick to run away from the bad coach or run away from the bad quarterback and just get the next, well, for lack of a better term, the next new bright, shiny thing. Like, anything's better than this. As As opposed to that, you know, if we're going to replace Joe Woods, I want that next coach to be a Absolute home run, no doubt. Yes, he'll be the he'll be awesome coach. You know what I mean? Instead of running away from something bad, let's make sure we're running towards something good instead, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. I think that um I'm I'm on record in all these episodes, um, as being at the beginning of the year, being a person who was very unsure about whether or not Joe Woods needed to be let go. Mm-hmm um i was a little bit more of hey how can how can these professional players show up and just have these brain cramps what's going on they should be better prepared to play um i think i'm a little bit more in the camp now of that it might be time for some new blood at defensive coordinator and i think that i think at this point this is not the first year where we have seen the browns come out stale to start the season then try to figure it out by the end of the season and then show some signs of life at the end. Um and I'm okay with that concept in some respects but it just seems like with most mostly the same locker room mostly the same players um that there shouldn't be that much um build up every single year. So I I do feel right. like I do feel like the Browns came into this season I think it started to play out um, for whatever reason, our stars, our our cornerstone pieces on our defense, were not engaged when we started the season, and it took a bunch of communication issues and a, and a bunch of getting our teeth knocked in by lesser opponents. To kind of get them refocused, and I don't think that should be happening, um, especially in what is also Joe Wood's third year as mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator. Um, now, to your point, what's out there? Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know. To be, to be quite frank, I think that a lot of uh, there's always a lot of talk about whoever the next big um, coordinator is, but there's going to be openings for head coaches a lot of those coordinators are not going to be moving teams just to be coordinators again. So you're going to have to watch out um, and see how that how that plays out. I think um, this week's big discussion point has been about Jim Leonard, who is former yep. former special teams player for the Browns, um, who is currently the defensive coordinator um, for Wisconsin. Um, and did not get selected to take over in Wisconsin as the head coach for next year. So thoughts are that he is a prime candidate for coming to the NFL as a defensive coordinator. Now that's again, yes, he's been a defensive coordinator at the college level, but has he, does he have uh, NFL coaching experience? I, I don't believe he does. Um, so yes, he's a former NFL player and that goes a long way. Um, but you know, I don't know a lot about whether or not that is going to be your solution. I do think they have to spend a lot of time looking at that. Um, you know, the other coach and in my perception who should be, you know, talking to his real estate agent is, is our special teams coach.
1: Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um,
0: I just think that you can't, that you can't have the number of miscues that have been going on in the special teams. Um, you just can't. And it, you could say, you know, well, your kicker's just a rookie. You got to give him time. Okay, well, my kicker's just a rookie. You got to give him time, but he's also a fourth round pick, you know? right? And, and and so he should be at least getting coached, right? Like he should be getting coached through some of this stuff. And if you want to say that all of his that you know you want to give credit to the fact that some of his missed kicks are actually blocked kicks. Well that's a that's a blocking scheme. That's a that's a special teams role player special teams coach. Right. So um I just feel like we haven't seen a lot of coaching in the special teams area. I feel like there's guys going out there doing the job but I don't feel like there's a whole lot of change or a whole lot of adjustment or or a whole lot of fixing. What's going on?
1: Well, I believe it was the last on our last uh, episode when I brought up the point of Jay Feely that Jay Feely looked at Cade, looked at his tape, and said, "There's a mechanical problem there." I mean, and if and if he can do that in an hour or two of watching tape, how can our coaching staff not see that and fix it, right?
0: Right. And I just, I, yeah, I just feel like, I feel like those two coaches that something needs to give, like something, something's got to give. And, you know, then that takes us to the third coaching conversation that's been happening amongst Browns fans. And that's about Kevin Stefanski. Um, So I'm, I'm interested, I'll, I'll, before I give my thought on it, I'll give, I give it to you. There's a lot of Browns fans out there really unhappy with uh Kevin Stefanski how he's um how he's called plays and they they hearten to the idea that we shouldn't be having issues on the defense and the special teams if if Kevin Stefanski is driving the entire ship and paying attention to everything. So what what are your thoughts on our head coach and kind of where he sits going into these last two games?
1: I'll I'll give some I'll give some uh, pros and cons. How about that? Um sure. First of all, um, I'll get, I'm going to start with the con, which I shouldn't, but I'm going to. Is I wish he would just quit, stop trying to be clever and be smart when you need to be smart. Sometimes I feel like he when he should it should be a running play, and he's trying to be, you know, like outthink them or outsmart them. Whereas you hand Nick the ball, and he runs the three yards, and you get the first down, or you punch it in. That being said, from a leadership standpoint. Um, I like him a lot. Um, it was uh, reported a little bit. I finally heard about it today. Um, you know, Miles Garrett was disciplined and actually kept out of the first series le- at the New Orleans game mm-hmm. because he didn't effectively communicate um, that he his, an illness. He It was like a, the flu kind of symptoms because he didn't effectively communicate. So they didn't know he wasn't going to show up to practice. So he was held out for the first series. I respect that. That's Miles Garrett. He did that too, you know, Uh So I don't feel like he's lost the locker room. I feel like he still has them. But I'm not sure he should be calling plays. Um, And I I, I think he needs to quit trying to be clever and just be smart. I think he's going to get a pass, and rightfully so, because the whole Deshaun Watson thing this year with, you know, you've got a a stopgap quarterback, and Jacoby did a great job, but still – He's, he's, you know, a backup quarterback for a reason. Um, So I I, mean, I don't think, I don't think Kevin's in any issue at all in terms of losing his job for next year. Um, The only thing that you have to be seen, he's known to be very, very loyal to his assistant coaches. So we shall see the one thing I want to see from him then more than anything else is to not continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results. So that's my take anyway. What you, what
0: are your thoughts, Mark? So, I, you know what, I've said it before. I feel like I feel like picking apart play calling um is low-hanging fruit in an NFL game. Every that's play, fantastic. every play that happens when it doesn't go right is the worst play ever called. <laughs> um and every play that scores a touchdown is brilliant. Um and and you know I think that there's a lot there's a lot more to situational football than we all like to believe. Um I would harken back so you know when we talk about running you know um uh Sean our our other friend who joins us a lot of time he was he was really fond at the beginning of the year of saying hey you give the ball to Nick Chubb 20 times you win the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah okay. it was
0: well, here at the end of the year that hasn't proven to be the case. Um we right. gave ball, we gave the ball to Nick Chubb 24 times um this past game. Um and didn't win. I I think you have to take into consideration situationally um what the head coach knows that we don't, which can be down to what is happening with this offensive line. Who's hurt, who's not, who's who's doing what they're supposed to do, how it's going. Um I think you also have to take into consideration too that I don't know that Kareem Hunt has been as effective as he's been in past years. It it, it, it's hard to judge completely. Granted, um, I feel like with you know when we're dealing with Brissett and some other things that you know we haven't really seen Hunt in the same manner as we have in the past. But I just feel like you know we're missing some of that explosiveness out of Kareem as well. Um, so, you know, to I think your I th-
1: point, Don't forget, don't forget that Chubb also was out with a foot too. We don't know how bad that really was.
0: Well, yes, yes. Leading up to this game, Nick Chubb was out with a foot injury, um, managed to come back, play, um, did not have a full issue. I-, I would probably interpret it as that he was okay. Considering, the number of carries and that he was playing up until the end but um but i also just think that there are there's something to be said for the fact that um we have baker mayfield playing for us and mm-hmm. baker mayfield had uh a great year heading into his injury um and his coach was kevin stefanski mm-hmm. um he had a hard time catching on at some other other locations. Um, he's currently having a good time in with the Rams. Yeah, um, good for him. But but I, I do think that Kevin Stefanski got a lot out of him. And then we have Jacoby Brissett, who comes in and he this is a backup quarterback who had um, legitimately statistically his you know his best games. With Kevin Stefanski as his coach, now mm-hmm. I think a lot of people want are frustrated that that didn't translate to wins um, because you know Brissett was a four four and seven, um, Stefanski was four and seven before um, the arrival of Watson, so that we left wins on the on the table, and I think I, I think there's a lot of um, gnashing of teeth because of that. I think I think. If we're not leaving some of these wins on the table from the beginning of the year, we're having completely different conversations now about agree. about Definitely his agree. play calling or whether or not we think he's the problem. And I think that, um, I just don't think it's Kevin Stefanski. Now, um, not either there are some pieces that I think it's realistic when you are looking at a season that is uh, a disappointment that you need to look into change and you need to look into what needs to be tweaked and what can be worked on. And I think, um, I think the defensive coordinator position, the special teams position, um, I really don't think you're going to see Kevin Stefanski give up play calling next year Um, because there has been a lot of talk and a lot of conversation that one of, um, one of the reasons you know, we know the biggest reason why Deshaun Watson joined the Browns, and that's a that's a monumental contract. But one of the other conversations that's been made and talk points that has been said is that Deshaun said that um, yep, he his conversation, yep. his conversation with Kevin Stefanski was the only one that didn't feel like it was actually an interview. That it felt like they were just talking ball and they were conversing about how they were going to win, what things they were going to do, and how it was going to work. And I think that your ownership and your front office invested in that, in that kind of relationship and how that works out. Um, And so even just giving the play calling to Alex Van Pelt going into next year changes that dynamic in a way when you haven't even seen the fruits of your labors to get to this point in the first place. So I don't, I, now Brown's come out cold and stale to start next year. Mm -hmm. I I think all bets are off. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be enough just to say, I'll give up play calling at that point. You might be out the door. Um, But I do think that I, I, I think it's silly for, us to continue to try to go down the path of whether or not he's on the hot seat going into these last couple games. Cause I just don't think it's true. I, I, I don't think I don't either. The front office is going that way.
1: And I think I, it's just low hanging fruit. I, that's fair. I think the other, other thing too, we have to keep in mind is um, people believe actions, not words. And if they, for some reason would keep woods and keep our special teams coordinator the message you're sending to the players is, this is okay. Right. And we cannot have that message, right? They have to be, you know, heads will roll, you know? Um, And and so at least one, if not both of them have got to move. Whether they're, and I hate to say it, but whether they're actually the problem or not is kind of inconsequential. (laughs) There has to be change to show, okay, this isn't acceptable. We're gonna be a winner here, you know?
0: Well, and I think I think a lot of the the team from the front office down and 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 in the players needs to look in the mirror and understand, you know, they spent a bunch of this year. Uh, frankly, the defense spent a lot of this year letting Jacoby Brissett and the offense down. Agreed, and then, absolutely. And then in interviews, they're saying things like, "Oh, uh, well, just wait, wait till you see Deshaun Watson. Um, he's got all this skill set." We're really going to take off. We're going to fly when he gets here. Well, now what you're seeing is you're seeing an ink continued inconsistent play. And Mm -hmm. so the defense needs to look in the mirror and go, well, wait, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't just about another quarterback. Maybe there's something we're not doing right too. And yeah, the offense does have to look in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? We're not really clicking. Um, and we're going to have to figure this out. Now I can give the offense a little bit of a pass and say, Hey, you know what? It's the end of the season. Um, you're trying to figure this out. This guy hasn't played in two years. Um, right. You know, all of those pieces are true. Um, but you're not going to get that pass from me to start the season next year. You're not going to get it from me for the <laughs> preseason either, because you're going to have a player who is a high, highly paid contract quarterback, who's supposed to be your franchise quarterback who should be clicking on all cylinders and a coach who should be communicating with him perfectly by the time you come around to the next season. So um, I think everybody's got to kind of look in the mirror and realize, hey, you know what, this, these last couple games might be a little bit of a wash, um, but it, the, there's not that much leash. Um, you know, we we're running out of, we're running out of excuses, running out of ideas as to why this might be happening. And, um, and I do think that, um, yeah, if, if, if the Browns don't make any changes in the coaching staff, uh, I feel like that that'll blow my mind. It really will. I I, I, would be, I would be shocked, um, because I think. I'd like to think that even a front office, you know, we talk about how smart Andrew Barry is and stuff. I would like to think he's smart enough to know that somebody has to take the fall for this. Like right. somebody, like you said, if somebody doesn't take the fall for this disappointment, you're saying it was okay, um, right. and that that really can't be the message. So i I would be really, really, really surprised not to see um, some sort of. Change amongst the coaches. I just don't think Kevin Stefanski is the one who's got anything to worry about.
1: I don't think he does either. But just to your point, the one thing that hit me hardest, I think, recently is I looked at the standings. Hey, okay, the Pittsburgh Steelers, with all the flex they have going on, have a better record than us right now. That is ridiculous.
0: Well, and you know what, again, you, we, we let the easy ones go, right? Like, yep. like you, you didn't win these close games and you let these people kind of hang on. Um, and that is a big deal. You know, you can't, you just can't do that in the NFL. And, and, you know, we can look back and say, you know, the, the jets are a better team than they were when we faced them yep. and they've proven to be a better team, but they weren't that weak that we were were. a mess and we should have have taken advantage of that um you know you know we we should have been able um to take care of business um against you know the likes of uh dealing with the the falcons um you know you're within a score of the chargers who the chargers are a good team no doubt but you know you were th- within a score you know the the fr- first initial loss to the ravens is a big one you know that was a big divisional loss um you know there there's a lot of little pieces along the way that led to where we are right now um and i just think that you know it is it, it is it's frustrating to see um you know the likes of the steelers moving up the board um you know and it is – it's very challenging. And for those people who say, hey, you know, um, we need to change out our coach and, and get something different, you know, what I would argue with you is, you know, look look at the situation in Pittsburgh. You know, there, there's a bunch of people in Pittsburgh who were screaming and hollering that they needed to think about a new coach just because their coach was going to ex- potentially, potentially experience his first losing season right. of his career. And right now he's got a chance. He's got a shot at not doing that. He's got a shot of actually pulling off another winning season. So I, I just, you know, consistency in coaching is, is extremely important, but, but all pieces need to go to hand in hand. And the Browns made a bunch of gambles and a bunch of changes and, and, and a bunch of moves this year that were completely different for the Browns. And the, the time for the reckoning on that really hasn't happened yet. And and we, you know, that's frustrating for all of us. We all wanted to be different, but I, but I think we all covered it when we, when we were walking into the Texans game, we all covered it then that, you know, the season was pretty much done then, you know, we may not have (laughs) wanted to believe it, but it was, and we knew it. And now it it continues to be just on the outside, and I think I think we, what we got to look for from this team is you've got a chance now. The Commanders come to town um, this weekend, New Year's Day matchup. Um, the Commanders need this win, um, and they're putting up Carson Wentz against our team. and And when you and I meet a little bit later this week to talk about our preview for that game, we'll talk yeah. about that matchup and what needs to happen. But it's a must win game for them. Um, you also they have, a, have a game against those Steelers. You have the chance against the Steelers, one to keep them completely out of the playoff pitcher if they're still in it. but also two, to chalk up another divisional win um, and make sure that you are going 500 in the division. Um, and that's a big deal. So so I want to see from this team their ability to step up and be professionals, and manage their business in these last two games when they could very easily fold up their tents. And so I would tell you if I see two strong competitive games, I'm going to continue to feel good about what's going on. If I see, I see the Browns getting blown out in a cup one or two of these games, I I might have a little bit more to say. Well, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Well, Chris, I think we've, we've kind of covered a lot of the ground. Uh, You know, I'm, I missed talking to you guys the last couple of weeks. It's great to catch up with you and, and get miss some insights too. on this game. Um I will, like we said, we'll get together here a little bit later in the week. Um, and we will go over our preview of um the matchup against the commanders, um, you know, going, going to Washington to play, um, and we'll see what we have on in store for that. Um, But for everybody out there, hey, thanks for tuning back in with us. Again, sorry we were dark for a little bit, but we're back now. Um, And we're looking forward to finishing out this season and heading into talking about the playoffs and the entire NFL heading into the offseason. So um, for Chris... Uh, for our friend Sean out there who couldn't join us this week, but also to our friend Gary who couldn't join us. We just want to wish you all uh, a great rest of your holiday going into the new year. Um, and we will look forward to talking to you again soon. Um, so if you are checking us out on the website, you can always check us out at www.cardiology with uh, C L E. So cardiologyclee.com or on your favorite streaming service, either Amazon, Apple, or Spotify. We'd love to hear from you and we are watching you out there. So we we appreciate all the support you've been giving us. So, so Chris, I'll see you a little yes, bit later sir. this week. Yes, sir. Can't wait. Happy New Year. Have a great one. Enjoy your holiday time, everybody. Oh, you too, sir. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you later this week.